Good morning, church family. We'd like to say a very special welcome to any first-time guests. Thank you for being here today. We also want to say a welcome to all of you who are tuning in digitally. Welcome to our patriotic service. You know, it seems like there has been a growing confusion for many in what it is to be patriotic, that somehow that means that we're worshiping our country instead of the Lord. What if it's possible to have a real sense of appreciation for what we have here in the United States, but with this understanding? God is the one who formed our nation. Therefore, any worship we do is dedicated toward him and not our country. Listen to what Luke wrote in Acts 17, verse 26 and 27. From one man he made all the nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. See, God is the one that creates nations. God is the one who created the United States, and he did it for a purpose. He gives every country the opportunity to seek after him and to find him, and it's not difficult to find him. But have you noticed how there are opportunities? We call them challenges and difficulties, and as we go through those challenging times, when maybe as this next song talks about, when faith is gone, when hope is lost, that's when we find God's strength. So church family and guests, if you would, let's stand to our feet. We are here to worship the one whose love will never let us go. He will never fail us. He will never leave us. And as we worship him and discover him, we will shine for his name's sake.
Father God, we thank you and we don't take for granted when we say that you are a way-making God, that you make a way where there seems to be no way, that you are the God of taking the impossible and making it possible. And Father God, you do it in such a way that strengthens and builds our faith. You are the ultimate light shining in the darkness, and you lovingly are reaching out, calling out to us to simply do one thing, to follow you. So God, we pray that whatever needs to happen in this service, so that God, you come into our lives and that your kingdom purpose for our lives is lived out so that ultimately the purpose for our country, our nation would take place as people follow the leadership and the lordship of Jesus Christ. So God, we thank you for this time. We ask that you would protect it and empower it to accomplish, God, exactly what you wanted to. This we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Will you may be seated. You know, when you think about all the freedoms that we experience and enjoy here in this country, but here's the thing we need to recognize. Freedom is not an inexpensive proposition. It costs a great deal. And this next song is a very special song. It honors and celebrates all those who either have served or are serving in our military. And so for those of you that that applies to, when your branches theme song takes place, if you could please stand that we might express our appreciation. And we hope, everyone, that you will enjoy this special song called Procession of the Patriots.
Thanks. Let's pray together. Let's thank the Lord for all the people who are, who are serving and will serve. Father, we thank you for people who protect our freedom. We can take it for granted so easily, so often. But I'm thankful for men and women who will stand in the gap on our behalf and who serve sacrificially and faithfully. Uh, Lord, we just want to express our great, deep appreciation to them and to you for the blessings you've given this nation. And so, Lord, we just uh, remind us of what you've provided for us so that we show appreciation and so that we can turn to you again in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Hey, open your Bibles, please, to the book of Second Chronicles chapter 7. I love, I didn't serve in the military. It's been a great privilege for me to be in a military community and to say thank you to so many who have served. I am grateful for you. And, um, you know, all the time we're grateful, but especially today, we just want to let you know how much we appreciate all of you have served, serve, or will serve in the future. God bless you. Let's look at Second Chronicles chapter 7, and I want to talk with you about what God wants for our nation. So 25 years ago this weekend, this very weekend, my wife and I were in Poland. It was our very first international mission trip. We'd never gone on a mission trip outside of the United States in our lives, and and it just became one of those special moments for us for several reasons. One is it's the place where we really, God really confirmed us that we were going to come to First Baptist O'Fallon. You know, and a month later, I would become the pastor here. And I was, that's in the days when I was called the young pastor. <laughs> and it was just always a really, always be meaningful because of that. It was, um, it was a time really when God just used it in my life to really connect me to missions and how important that is and how much it matters. And it's why. We, are, we care so deeply about the International Mission Board, we, why we are involved in long-term partnerships in Siberia, in Cuba, in Uganda, and then the other places that we go sometimes. And it really stirred our hearts to be a church that cares about reaching people with a message of the gospel here and far away. But it also was a time when I, I think maybe the first time, when I really sort of understood the blessings that we have as a nation and sort of appreciated it in a new way. It's not that I didn't appreciate our country. I mean, I knew we had been blessed. I mean, I was, a father had served in uh, World War II and then the Korean conflict. And so, I, you know, I kind of had an appreciation through him and maybe other circumstances, but this was different. If, for those of you who remember history, and that's fewer and fewer Americans, it seems, 25 years ago, Poland had just come out of the dominance of the Soviet Union where they're under communist dictatorship and all the struggles, all the problems that came with that. And they, through circumstances, found freedom and they so appreciated it. We were in a small city there in Poland teaching English as a second language and I would preach at night. And people came searching us out because they'd never met an American before, typically. And they would be so excited to meet us and they would tell us how much they appreciated America standing by them in their struggle for freedom. I think they thought I was going to go back to the White House or something and debrief the president or something. So and I told them how much I appreciated the opportunity to be with them and just to watch that great struggle for freedom. And it's kind of the time when it dawned on me, we have blessings that we take for granted. I have blessings that I've taken for granted. And I think maybe that's it's sort of the American way now, we've sort of forgotten how great freedom is. I mean, we give it up very 
easily. We forget about it very quickly. And I just, man, God has blessed our nation, I realize. God has given us freedom. We don't want to take that for granted. It's a perspective change for me. And so I want you to come with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 2, thousands of years ago, a message that is so relevant for our day. When Solomon had just finished building the temple, David, you may remember his father had planned the building of the temple, and now Solomon had completed the building of the temple that represented the very presence of God. Let's read beginning with verse 12. The Bible says this, Then the Lord appeared to Solomon at night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a temple of sacrifice. If I shut the sky so there is no rain, or if I command the grasshopper to consume the land, or if I send pestilence on my people, and my people who bear my name humble themselves pray and seek my face and turn from their evil ways then i will hear from heaven forgive their sin and heal their land so i'm going to talk with you this morning about four things god wants for our nation four things god wants for our nation now he's addressing specifically those who name the name of the lord and those of you who know christ as savior what you do for god will have a great influence in your life and beyond to the nation itself so let's note four principles God wants for our nation, if you're taking notes, if you're online or you're in person, would you just write these four things down? Number one, God wants our attention. One thing God wants for us is our attention. In verse 12, the Bible says the Lord appeared to Solomon. He got Solomon's attention, that's for sure. In a vision, he saw Solomon was able to see the Lord, and the Lord spoke to him. And the Lord said, I've heard your prayer. God always hears our prayer. God listens to us when we pray. He longs for that. And he said, I've chosen this place for myself as a temple of sacrifice. The temple represented the very presence of God. It's right there in the most prominent place on the, on the hill of Jerusalem, on the mountain of Jerusalem, right in the most prominent place. And by the way, can I just tell you, those of you who know Christ as Savior, do you know where the temple is today? The Bible says God, the Holy Spirit, lives in us. And our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit when we give our life to Christ. God is not far away and distant. God lives in us. We don't have to wonder where is God? He's so far away. He's there. He's, we are the temple, the, our body, the temple. And, and the Lord says, now if, and he does this hypothetical, he's saying in the future, some things may change. This is a happy time. This is a joy, a day of rejoicing at the re- finishing of the temple. But he says, if I shut the sky so there's no rain, and if I command the grasshopper to consume the land, or if I send pestilence, is there anything like that? Pestilence on my people. Now, I don't know that God has sent um, the difficulties we're facing in this pandemic just as a judgment. If he did, he, would, he could do so justly. He could do so justly against our nation. Sometimes things happen because God does judge us. Sometimes they happen because we just live in a fallen world. Sometimes because of choices we make. Sometimes through no fault of our own, someone else does something that affects us. But I want you to note some things here. Would you know God often uses circumstances to get our attention? Often, God uses circumstances to get our attention. And it may well be that God is trying to get the attention of this country in a way that we have forgotten. I mean, we've lost sight of who God is in large measure as a nation. And God would use circumstances in your life to get your attention. Whether it's, whether it's something you cause, whether it's something that happened through no fault of your own, just living in a fallen world even. God uses circumstances very often to get our attention. So if you're going through some difficult time, if there's some pain or some hurt or some heartbreak in your life, don't waste this. Let God get your attention through this. Awaken your heart and your mind to what God wants you to know through this time. Notice well, the Bible is saying here that sin carries consequences. The Lord is saying here 
even though this is a happy time, the day is coming when sin is going to enter the nation of Israel, as it always has. And I, I want you to know that when that happens, sin is going to carry consequences. The American way today is there is no sin, or if there is, it's no big deal. And the Lord says, not only is there sin, but it's a really big deal. It always carries consequences. So when we sin, it carries consequences for us. In fact, the Bible says it like this, the wages of sin is death. That's how serious sin is. It's not a small thing. It's not something we should just ignore. It always carries consequences. In fact, the Lord says, I will bring judgment upon your nation. And so he talks about the drought or the grasshopper or pestilence. And then he, said, he reminds us that we have a bent towards sin. Now, why would he say when, in the middle of this celebration, when the temple's just been finished and everyone's kind of you know, turning to God, it's a real time of revival, he's saying, listen, I know the heart of man. And we have this tendency to turn from God very quickly because we all have a bent towards sin. We are sinners by nature and by choice. We have a bent towards sin, all of us. And so he said, I know what's going to happen in the future. The nation is going to have this tendency to forget about the things of God, just like this nation in this day has. We forget about the blessings we have. It's a common thing because we have a bent towards sin. By the way, this view of human nature is so important to us. Many of the isms in life have happened because people said, you know, basically people are good and there's nothing, no problems with them. It's just society or something that causes all the problems of mankind. And so we'll just fix these little problems politically and everything will be great. And that's never the case because the Bible teaches something very different, that we all have a bent towards sin. Our founding fathers did not get everything right, but I tell you, they got this one right. Now, they, they did not always live up to the creeds. Thomas Jefferson, who wrote, All men are created equal, endowed by their creator with inalienable rights, wrote those words while holding fellow men in bondage. But the principle is true. All men are created equal. We have, from our creator, inalienable rights. The principle is true that God made us in his image, and so we have great value before God. But the, and the principle is true that we have a tendency, a bent towards sin. And so we formed in our government uh, checks and balances, recognizing that mankind has a tendency towards wrong. And we did these checks and balances. What a great idea this was. But I tell you, we, we live in a day and age when we've sort of forgotten that sin has consequences. And we've sort of forgotten that we have a bent towards sin. And we've sort of forgotten that God wants to use these circumstances to remind us about him. And I want you to know God wants your attention. If he doesn't have it now, what would it take? If he doesn't have the attention of the nation, what would it take for him to get the attention of the nation? If this, if this is not enough, what is? So let's notice the second thing God wants to do. God wants our intercession. God wants our intercession. Notice what he says here. He says, if my people who bear my name, may I say to those of you who know Christ as Savior, now, if you're here and you've not yet trusted Christ as Savior, man, we'd love for you to give your life to Christ. But if you know Christ as Savior, the Bible says you have this term called Christian. Christian, that's not a small term. That's a big thing, to bear the name of Christ. Here's what he says we should do. Humble themselves, pray, and seek my face. Humble themselves, pray, and seek my face. He tells us to humble ourselves. We have to recognize that we can't do this on our own. Life's too big for us. It's too complicated for us. We have a tendency to see things like we want to see them instead of as they really are. God wants us to humble ourselves. If you think you're strong, that's when you're weak. If you think I don't need God, that's when you're weak. 
when you humble yourself, you're realizing you're weak and you need God, and that's when you're strong. So the Lord is teaching us this important principle that we need him. And so God has a way of humbling us. He tells us to humble ourselves. And if we don't do it, God has a tendency to show us uh, our weakness in his own strength. And then it says, pray. We go to God in prayer. God in heaven hears us when we pray. And God longs for us to pray. He loves the fellowship, the the connection and the communion that comes with prayer. And he says, I want you to turn to me. When, when these problems happen, your, your first response isn't, how can, I, how, how can I change society? Or how can I change? What, what about voting? Or what about more economic strength? Or what can I get? Or how can I be more popular? Your first response ought to be prayer. That ought to be the first response. Christian may say how, I am thankful we can vote. I am, we ought not take that for granted. We ought to be actively involved in voting. But there's something greater still. We ought to care about the issues of our generation but there's something bigger than the issues of our generation and that's the lord himself and so the first thing we ought to do in response to the needs of our day is to pray and and then the bible says to humble yourselves pray and seek my face it's saying we we go to god god i want you i've been saying it like this you don't walk with god accidentally you don't walk with god accidentally be intentional Have a devotional life. Take personal responsibility for your spiritual growth. Read the Bible. Read through the New Testament for yourself. Spend time in prayer day by day. God will bless that. Seek God's face. God wants our intercession. In some ways, this has been the most complicated time in my whole 25 years here to be a pastor. Just so many things that are different. I don't know how to predict the future. Just things are, there's nothing quite like this time. And so we've been thinking about when we can really Uh, bring back all of our life groups we are a church that really emphasizes small groups our life groups are small group bible studies we believe that matters deeply if you're not in a life group we'd urge you to do that we believe it will be to your great benefit whether you even see that or not now we just believe it to be your in your best interest that you'll know the bible better as iron sharpens iron so one man sharpens another We, we believe that so strongly and so many of our adult life groups are almost all of them are meeting via zoom or something some of them are meeting back on campus now some of you had classes today or most of our teenagers are able to do that sort of one of those options as well and a little harder as I guess as the kids get younger preschoolers don't social distance real well as you might know and so it's just been complicated how do we do this it's hard to get volunteers right now parents are a little bit nervous well how do we make this work for to have life groups for all ages so we just said man we if ever there's time we need to pray so our plan, as best we know it, and every plan I've ever made in these last weeks has been kind of changed, and we, we don't know what will happen. But our plan is, uh, if school is if school's kind of making plans to start, is to start life groups again for all ages on the 16th of August. That's our hope and plan. But we just said, man, we, this is bigger than us. I mean, we've never done this before. We don't know exactly how you're supposed to deal with the pandemic and all the problems and issues of life. Let's just really seek the Lord in prayer. We're calling our church to have a day of prayer where we ask you to pray at least a half hour. Many of you can join me for an hour of prayer. Pray one hour and just really pour out your heart for your church and really pour out your heart for your family and really pour out your heart for your life group, pour out your heart for your nation. Can I just tell you, more than anything, our nation needs us to pray. It ought to be our first response to the problems we're facing. God, we're going to, we're going to humble ourselves. It's bigger than us. We're going to pray. We're going to talk to you about this and we're going to seek your face God, what do you want me to know to learn to get from this? There's a third thing God wants for us. 
God wants our redirection. He wants our redirection. So in verse 14, the Bible says, if my people who bear my name humble themselves, pray and seek my face, and, now note this, and turn from their evil ways, and turn from their evil ways. God wants a redirection in our life. He wants us to do two things here. First, to acknowledge. Notice it says, turn from their evil ways. The Bible is saying that sin really damages. It uses this strong term of evil. You know, we, there's nothing new under the sun. And that's true for this generation as well. We are so much like the Israelites were thousands of years ago. When the Bible said about them, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. That's this generation. They forgot how to blush. That's this generation. God is saying, I want you to see the truth. I want you to acknowledge the problems around you. G.K. Chesterton, a hundred years ago, replied back to a... um, an article that was written in the paper. These sounds you younger folks don't know what a newspaper is, but maybe ask your parents or something. And there was an article that said uh, it had a question they wanted prominent people to answer, and the question was, "What's wrong with the world today? What's wrong with the world today?" And he said a two-word answer. A two-word answer. I am. I am. So when we say what's wrong with the world today, our, when we say it in our generation, we want to say, well, it's a, I don't know, somebody, the system, it's the politicians, it's the, it's the capitalists, it's the, what, we, we find somebody, it's the, it's the guy down the street who doesn't act, it's my boss, it's, but we don't have to look beyond ourselves to see the problem in our nation. I am. We don't have to look beyond ourselves to see the problem in our families. I am. We don't have to look beyond ourselves to see the problem in our church. I am. And when we acknowledge that our sin is an evil action against God, that's the first step. And then the Bible tells us to repent and return. Repent and return. If we're going to have a redirection, repentance is a beautiful term in the Bible. It's a great term in the Bible. It means more than feeling sorry. You can feel sorry about things and never change. But repentance is where we have a mighty change of action or attitude. So when we repent, we say, this, I'm going the wrong direction, and I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to return. I'm like the prodigal son who's going to go back to the father. I'm not going to stay in the pig pen any longer. I'm not just sorry that I'm in the pig pen. I don't just regret that I'm in the pig pen. I'm going back to the father. We return. And God wants from us our redirection. But there's a, third, a fourth principle, rather, I want you to note, and that is God wants our restoration. And I love this. In the Bible, the Lord tells us we can be restored. Here's what he says. He says, if my people who bear my name humble themselves, pray and seek my face, that is, they do their part, and turn from their evil ways, we have to do our part. Then I will, God says, then I will. He's saying, if you do your part, I'll do my part. If we do our part, God does his part then I will. Notice the order. He's saying, humble yourselves, pray, seek God's face, turn from your evil ways. Then I will. Notice what he says, three things. I will hear from heaven. God hears us when we cry out to him. He hears us when we go to him. He hears us when we pray. I will forgive their sin, he says. God wants to forgive you. God is able to forgive you. God loves to forgive. That's what he does. 
The Bible says God sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins by his blood. That's how serious he is about forgiveness. And so if you will repent of your sins, the Bible says God will forgive you. If you've never trusted Christ as Savior, listen, it's not enough. Can I just tell you, it's not enough to be to try harder, to try to be good. You can't be good enough to get to heaven. You can't sort of self-improve your way to perfection. Heaven's holy and perfect. How could you self-improve to perfection? We've all sinned. We all have a bent towards sin. We're sinners by nature and by choice. The Bible says you need to be saved. And Jesus paid the price for you on that cross. And if you will repent of your sin and place your faith in Jesus who died for you and rose from the dead for you and receive him as your Savior, you'll be saved. And I plead with you to give your life to Christ. I plead with you to be saved and to experience the new birth in Christ. Here, the Bible says, then I will hear, forgive, and then he says, and heal their land, and heal their land. And I don't know how you deal with pandemics. I just, I really, I don't. I don't know how you deal with pandemics. But I know one who does. <laughs> and he is able to heal our land. I don't know how you deal with the racial animosity of our generation. When I was a young man, I thought, well, you know, we'll get past this, but the racial struggles and animosity of our land are, are, are real, and so much of our world and society wants to divide us. I'm, can I tell you, the enemy wants to divide us by the pigmentation of our skin. That's what he wants to do. Well, how do we, what's the answer to that? Listen, the answer is bigger than politics or programs or but God can heal our land. Now, I can't, I, can't heal, I can't heal my heart or your heart. But I know the one who can. And he can heal our broken nation. God is big enough to do that. I can't heal the brokenness of your life. You come to this place with brokenness, a broken past. You've done things wrong. People have wronged you. And you, just, you come to this place broken. We are all broken. We've all sinned against the holy God. We're all broken. I can't heal you, and I can't heal me, but I know the one who can. Jesus, by his death on the cross, by his resurrection, by his power and strength, can bring the healing that we need. The healing to your life, and the, through that, the healing to our nation. There is one who is big enough to do that. And he can bring freedom and hope and meaning and purpose to you and to our land. Will you bow with me for a word of prayer? I want to say a word. If you're, if you're not sure you've ever been saved, if you're watching online or you're here in person, I want to ask you to give your life to Christ. I want to plead with you to give your life to Christ. Repent of your sin. Turn from it. Don't ignore it as though it's no big deal. It doesn't matter. Like Israel, like Israel said, every man did what was right in his own eyes. God tells us there are things that are right and things that are wrong. Would you repent of your sin? Would you place your faith in Jesus who died for you and rose from the grave for you and receive him as Savior? You can pray a prayer like this. From your heart to the heart of God. God, I have sinned against you. And I can't heal myself. But I believe you sent Jesus to die on that cross for me. And that Jesus rose from the grave and conquered sin and death. And so here and now, just tell him that. Here and now, I turn from my sin. I give my life to you. And I ask you to save me. And if you mean that, Christ will save you. Christian, can I say to you, can I ask you to say to God, God, I want, I want to ask you to heal my heart, my life, my family, my brokenness. Lord, would you bring healing to my nation? Lord, would you help me to do my part? This is not just a them or they. This is a me. I am 
what's wrong with our world today. I have a need for you, Lord. I want to seek you for revival. I want to seek you for renewal. And I want to pray that you will bring revival and renewal to our nation. Lord, I want to thank you. You love us and care about us enough to tell us the truth. Lord, I want to thank you that you call us to put our attention to the things that matter. So, Lord, through these difficult days, Lord, we want to remember that you want our attention. We have a tendency to ignore you and forget about you. You want our attention. Lord, you, you, you ask us to intercede for our own lives and for our nation, to pray and to seek your face. Lord, you ask us to redirect, to acknowledge our evil ways and to repent and return. And you tell us that you will bring healing to our land. So, Father, we ask that in the name of Jesus. We are very much like the people of old. We do what's right in our own eyes. We ignore you for long periods of time. We forget who you are and what you've done. We take for granted the freedom that you offer us in Jesus Christ. We live as though you don't matter, as though we ought to do just what we feel or what we want or what we think. And Lord, you call us to something better. And we recognize our brokenness without you and our need for you. And so this day, Lord, we ask you to bring healing and revival and restoration and renewal to our lives, to our churches, and to our nation. To the glory of your name we pray. Amen.